Hey, all you creatures from cyberspace. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Grave Talk Podcast. My name is Mark. Again, joined with Garrett and John. Fellas, how are we doing today? Oh, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, your neighborhood's pretty good today. It's not too hot. Oh, no, it's fucking miserable out here. It's got to be like 125 <laughs> degrees. It is warm. This is true. It feels like it. You all right, Garrett? How you doing? I'm okay. Um, I watched a couple movies this week, so I guess we should talk about them, huh? I guess that's what we do around here. Yeah, so we, uh, we're we going to jump right into it because we wanted to bring up one that seems to be blowing up Twitter and uh, all the social medias. Shudder's host uh, came out a couple weeks ago. If you're not familiar with that film, it is a Zoom call seance uh, and all the things that you would expect to go wrong do in this horror movie. It's only 56 minutes long, which I really appreciate. Uh, guys, what did you think of this movie? I did not watch this movie because A, I don't have Shutter. B, I get enough Zoom calls in my week with like work meetings. The idea of having to sit through another one, no matter what happens, was not appealing to me. So guess what? I'm just going to sit here for moral support and act like I know what you guys are talking about. Oh, Garrett, you missed that one. Not having Shudder, that is uh, a terrible life choice. But two, missing this movie was a mistake. This movie was amazing. Is it a movie? 56 minutes? It's almost like an episode. Whatever it is, awesome, awesome movie. Uh, Really, really well done. Well, I will say anything under, I think it's like 45 minutes counts as a short film. And anything over 45 minutes, as far as like the awards go, counts as actually a um, a feature. So this would technically be a, a full movie. All right, then. Well, this... Okay, I guess you have us on a technicality. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Well, John, what did you think of this movie? You just said you thought it was amazing. Why is that? Um, I don't know. Maybe it's because it was the format of a Zoom call or something, but I put it on and I like was instantly enthralled. I think the actresses all did a great job. It felt very believable. And I liked that like there were things going on in every person's little Zoom square and sometimes they didn't even call like attention to it. So you were constantly on edge, constantly trying to see what's going on, like right at the edge of your vision. So I enjoyed that. I, you know, I love ghost stories. So anything supernatural, sign me up. And I think it, it's not like super original, but it executed well enough that I didn't mind at all that there were some cliches. So for 56 minutes, I can't think of a better way to spend an hour. Well, let me ask you this then, because um, I'll come from this from a place of not having have seen host on Shutter. You said there's a lot of stuff happening in each person's Zoom um, box. How many boxes are there? Like, how many people are in the seance? Five, and then a sixth person will show up every once in a while. Okay. And when you say stuff happens, are we talking like paranormal activity happens, or are we talking like the conjuring happens? It spreads the whole spectrum so sometimes yeah it's just like little things little flashes little things in the shadow unusual movements and then by the end of the movie it, it's just full-on like last exorcist shit's going crazy okay all right yeah i've seen a lot of people online compare it to uh paranormal activity but i think it's better than that um especially because of the length you know uh if you cut out all the nico nonsense this is probably what you might end up with but i think this movie may be benefiting from right movie, right time, right? Because I don't think this movie might have garnered as much attention in pre-COVID era. Agreed. It is definitely a product of its time, too. Uh, I totally 
buy that if we weren't all working through zoom and webex and whatever you're right it probably would have just been like unfriended or something uh where it's like oh yeah that's an interesting gimmick but whatever but now it really hit like the zeitgeist that's what it kind of sounded like to me when i was like hearing about it i was like oh we've already seen this with unfriended we, you know we've already seen this with like unfriended to the dark web or whatever the fuck that was called um so i don't know i i guess like again it's it sound the premise sounds solid you know i don't think there's anything wrong with it i'm not gonna i'm not like saying i'm not interested in it it just i don't know like it, it also is just like for me it was like all right i'm living and breathing this nonsense as it is i mean i'm not doing like zoom seances but i'm on zoom enough like it just i wanted to separate like when i watch movies i don't want to like relive my work day you know <laughs> i think that's fair but uh to be honest it's not like they're they're doing presentations and and shit like that you know it's just four people four or five people like drinking like just you know fucking off and and thinking this whole seance thing is going to be funny some of them aren't taking it serious why half of them are so it's yeah it's not that the the zoom itself is it doesn't feel like work you know what i mean it's it's literally just the format so wait they actually get together to do a zoom seance yeah that's the whole purpose of their zoom oh God. is for the seance is that is is that because they're in COVID times, or is that just because like they're just like ah fuck it, we'll do it this no, way? No, it's because of COVID. Uh, okay, it's actually a plot point. You know, when they have to run outside, they're putting on masks and stuff like that. So it is definitely a post COVID movie, still with the uh, quarantine in effect. Okay, and I think that's another layer that makes this so interesting is because it was only it was shot after COVID and it's already out. So they they turned this thing around quick. Yeah, and for what they produced, I'm really impressed. Um, they baked in some jump scares and they got me, man. Like I'm usually not too susceptible to those, but there's a couple in there. There's just, I don't think you can avoid it. Yeah. It was, they completely avoided the like loud sound right before a jump scare. It was, they got me a couple times too. I was like, damn, I was, I was hooked. But bringing up the mass, Mark, does bring up the one thing that bothered me about this movie. Uh, one of the characters does eventually go outside and she puts on a mask, but it's mouth only, nostrils over the mask. Yeah. And I was like... Wait, what? She goes out with the only the nose covered or the nose uncovered? Yeah. And yep. that bothered me. <laughs> oh, fuck this person. I had that same reaction. I was like, you're doing it wrong, god damn it. Yeah. Like, it's not okay. <laughs> yeah. To, to all our listeners out there, wear your damn mask properly. Properly. Come on. This, this movie is just irresponsible at this point then. I, I, I don't know if I can watch it, you guys. <laughs> well, considering what happens to this character, maybe maybe karma quickly catches up. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Um, just to touch a little bit on the seance itself. Here's one scene, right? So they're all sitting around. They're pouring their drinks. They're getting ready. And um, the, the, the female who's kind of set this whole thing up, she's like, listen, this is the first time the seance person's ever done this on Zoom. So I kind of like that aspect, too, is like, we don't know how safe this is. I've never actually done it over the Internet before. I don't know what could go wrong, but let's be careful about it. And that's kind of the stakes that are set when they start off. But don't you have to hold hands and stuff during the seance? Um, they use candles. They, I think they do it well. And because the movie's so short, they really don't like dwell on it. You, they're just like, all right, yeah, whatever, I'll buy this. And yeah, the the seance person does address some of that. They're like, look, this is weird, and you know, maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. Uh, but here's how we can try and and whatnot. So they do a good job of setting what they need to set up to make this movie happen. Are they trying to get rid of the ghost of COVID? <laughs> if it were that simple, I'd be uh, employing all the mediums around the globe to 
light candles and pray this thing away. <laughs> Medium, that's the word. I would be willing to take place in a uh, a Zoom seance if it would end this nonsense, but for sure. Oh man, well, I mean, it sounds like it's good. It's, it, I mean, nothing about about it sounds bad. It's just again, it was one of those things where like like you guys say it hit prob- probably better for most people because it is so relatable. Because it was so relatable, I'm like, I'm good. Like, <laughs> like. Oh boy! Like I, I get away. I like try to get away from work during these times, but I'll have to check it out. Like maybe when the next uh, time there's like a free trial for Shutter or something like that, I'll sign up and check it out. Sure, and you know Shutter's not that expensive these days. So if you're on the fence about it, uh, listeners also like there's plenty of stuff at this point to justify the five or six bucks a month that they're asking. Um, you won't regret it. Uh, so it sounds like me and John would definitely recommend Host. Uh, anything else you want to say on before we get to the main movie of today, John? Uh, no, I think you covered it. Even though I didn't watch Host on Shutter, only $5 a month, you guys should get it. <laughs> I did finally get to watch Amityville Dollhouse. It happened. Oh, that's right. That's also been added to Shutter. Oh, no, it's about time got added to Shutter. Yes. So, Garrett, there's another one for you. Okay, well, maybe I'll have to get Shutter for that then because um, Amityville Dollhouse. Thank you, John, for finding me a copy of this. Oh, my God. That movie was stupid awesome. (laughs) It was so bad. Everything about it was trash. It's like like a festered scrotum full of mayonnaise bad, and it's just like wonderful. Every 90s plot point, terrible costumes, horrible like set design. Everything about it from start to finish is just dumb and i loved it so much i cannot recommend this movie as a shitty horror movie enough i'm, I'm almost afraid to ask you garrett but what kind of fun is scrotum full of mayonnaise <laughs> no it's not fun i'm saying that's that's it's that bad but you know <laughs> the movie's just so enjoyable it, it's it's a bad movie don't get me wrong you're not going to sit down and like recommend this to someone without being like okay do you like a shitty movie let's watch this <laughs> i would expect riff tracks or you know, MST3K to do something like this, but I'm glad they didn't because watching this thing completely... And again, I had no idea about what it was until I saw the trailer. And I I watched the trailer, which is a minute and 14 seconds long, and I was like, I guarantee you they just showed me the entire finale in this trailer. And sure enough, they did. Half the stuff you see in the trailer is from the final scenes of this movie. They did not care. This was a shoot the moon type thing. Oh, God, it's so good. You've got like high-waisted like 90s pants. You've got the nerdy nerds versus jocks subplot. You've got an incest plot line. You've got the bikers who are medium slash new age hippie. I mean, it's got everything. Oh, my God. It's got shitty puppets. It's got way too much fire. Zombies? It, it's got zombies, which reminded me of House. Like, really, like it has like a whole House one <laughs> plot line. This thing just has, it's like a, a perfect burrito of shitty horror movie. It's all just shoved in there. Oh, I, I know I'm like, I don't want to get too much into it because I don't want to talk forever about the plot. But but trust me, if you like bad horror movies and you enjoy bad 90s horror movies, you cannot go wrong with this film. Find it however you can and watch it. Now, Garrett, I think you sound more enthusiastic about this one than the original by like a mile. Oh, this one's so much better than the original. The original one had some freaky moments, but there, there were times I was literally, I threw things across my room in like excited pissed offness. At one point, I like, I had like a napkin on the table because I had eaten earlier. I just picked it up and threw it across and I was like, fuck you, movie, that's awesome. 
Like, it's so bad. Oh, I couldn't stop, like, yelling at it. This this movie got me motivated. So, you heard it here first, listeners. Currently unavailable Amityville Dollhouse, better than horror classic, The Amityville Horror. <laughs> yes, without a doubt. And I know that's not going to be a shared opinion, but if you like, oh, God, if you like bad horror movies, do yourself a favor it is, I mean, and you know, hey, it's got tits, it's got like shirtless dudes all sweaty, although that was weird. The guy playing basketball out in the like California sun was less sweaty than the lady standing inside a window indoors. <laughs> Everything about this movie doesn't make sense. Everything about this movie is bananas. This little girl, you've got like um, a poltergeist like subplot. Oh, God. Giant mouse. Yes, a, a giant animatronic mouse. Like, only in the 90s could this have happened and not seemed like completely batshit crazy. Is there a Marshmallow Man? I just want to know if we're hitting all the notes here. We can't spoil it. No Marshmallow Man. Oh, Garrett spoiled it. It is Marshmallow <laughs> Manless. But there is... Okay. There, there's there's a little box inside this dollhouse full of like little like ragdoll people that look like, like little voodoo um, <laughs> beanbag people. And there's at one point the, the 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 biker new wave couple that owns a occult bookstore who are um, cousins or the sister of one of the parents. Uh, they're like trying to like seance this thing and it starts blowing up their bookstore and then it just sits up and then the camera starts shaking erratically as if we're supposed to believe that it's moving. It It's like if someone put a doll in front of you and shook it and goes, woo, it's that shitty. Oh my God. I want to talk about this movie. We should do an episode on this. You sound enthusiastic about it enough to make me want to watch it and break it apart. So I'm good with that. Maybe we could do it old school style and we can compare Dollhouse to Amityville about time or running out of time or whatever equally shitty, horrible movie is on Shudder because Garrett, if you liked Dollhouse... You will love the clock-based one that is almost as insane and pretty much the same movie, to be honest, but also involves time travel. So it does involve time travel. See, I called that shit. Yes. Oh, yeah. Major time travel. So hold on. Uh, uh, All right. Question. It's about time. It's a clock. It's time travel. And are you about to tell me it's also about the spice? How many times are we getting in here is what I'm asking. How many layers deep are we going with this stupid title that someone's really proud of? <laughs> um, Pretty deep, Mark. They do the best that they can to get to ring as much clock-based horror as, uh, as their creative minds can come up with. That's like the, that's like the, the horror way of saying, bless your heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one crazy god i feel like i didn't realize how off the rails the amityville sequels got i feel like there's just a treasure trove of 90s horror that i have missed out on and now i want to see if i can track down i'm looking forward to about time now because it sounds like after like dollhouse and about time it's gonna make the conjuring like b movies like annabelle like origins and stuff like that and annabelle 3 seem like the tightest trilogy since lord of the rings i mean it's (laughs) they sound atrocious i'm so in for these we should do like a if if mark if you don't want to do these john and you should get together and like do like a, a point counterpoint between about time 
Time and Dollhouse. Yeah. Also, looking at the poster for It's About Time, one, apparently it's called Amityville 1992, so they really instantly dated themselves, oh, and it's from the director of Hellraiser 2. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so he stepped down big time. This, I feel like these, though, would have been, like, nowadays, the, these would be those, like, 2B movies, you know, like... The real movie's The Nun, but the knockoff ones is like The Nuns. Oh, like the Dark Horizon, like instead of Pacific Rim, like Atlantic Edge, you know? Exactly. That's what these movies remind me of. Well, I feel bad, fellas. Uh, you, you guys all had a bad Amityville movie to talk about. I ain't got nothing on my plate. I should have watched one, too. Is there any other ones we're unaware of? Uh, Amityville, A New Generation. That one came out in 1993. With Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger. Uh, it, oh, that'd be awesome. Let's see. <laughs> I would love if every movie with the next generation basically starred those two. That'd be amazing. I'd be on for that. Yeah. Sign me up. Yeah. So that was one in between. It's about time and Dollhouse. So I wonder if it connects it. You know, I don't I don't know if that's the. I think you ask for too much, John. You ask for too much. <laughs> it's the Empire Strikes Back of this little trilogy. <laughs> All right. That's it. I'm done. Get on with this, Mark. <laughs> we got to cut him off. All right. Well, today we're talking about Deathgasm from 2015, a movie out of New Zealand. And this one is sitting on Rotten Tomatoes with an 88% with the critics and 66% with the audience. That's interesting. I would have thought the critic score would have been a little bit lower than the um, the viewer score. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't know. Do you think maybe some people are just, is it too over the top comedic for some people? Maybe they were looking for something more serious with their satanic music conjurations i could see that maybe and i think like new zealand comedy too is not everyone's cup of tea thinking like uh was it flight of the concords you know that one was awesome uh, that show but a lot of people didn't didn't hook into it so i think yeah. if you don't like that style uh deathgasm is not going to be for you you know what just let me interject real quick speaking of like new zealand like comedy it is a very unique style of comedy it's not so not so much different but like their pacing and their energy levels in it are are very um unique to their own their own output and a great example of that, and if you guys want to watch this sometime, Mega Time Squad is a movie that came out of New Zealand a while back, but that is fantastic. It's 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 the same energy and level as Deathgasm. I mean, not so metal, but like it's about time travel, um, but it is fantastic. It It's paced so nicely. The comedy is like biting and great. It's got a bunch of subtle humor in there. I definitely recommend that, but yeah, it... There is something about like New Zealand like comedy that is I almost say kind of like almost in a way like British comedy. You know, it has to hit you just right. So just a quick search of Mega Time Squad, Garrett. It said it was from the FX creator of Deathgasm. Oh, well, then there you go. Um, that's why it feels so perfectly in line with this. Yeah, I think like New Zealand and even Australian, it's a little more dry and they play things straight that I don't know. I, I, like, I feel like American humor, especially lately, a lot of it's like. Huh? We just told a joke. Did you get the joke? There was a joke there. Whereas like British, Australian, they just depend on you to get it. And either you get it or you don't get it. But they're just keep moving forward. They're not going to wait for you to, to get it. I think, that's, I think that's pretty astute. I think that's... Um, I do feel like it's like, all right, we're moving. If you, if you got it, cool. If not, <laughs> hopefully you get the next one. Let's keep going. Yeah. So I was thinking... I was trying to like think about what I would compare this movie to in terms of style. And the only one that I could think of that maybe uh, you know an American audience member who hasn't seen any New Zealand comedy, I would say I was getting kind of flashes of Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely say that's... Um, 
that's pretty accurate. I'd say a little more adult content, but yeah, the the feel of it similar. I think I was picking up to like some Tucker and Dale. I think there were elements there where the two movies kind of overlapped in the comedy sense. I think Tucker and Dale's more outright humorous, but um but I feel like they were the Venn diagram there overlaps a, quite a bit. Yeah, I think you're right because I think Tucker and Dale basically had there was humor, but it was played straight in the fact that like these things just keep happening. Like the movie never stops and is like, here's the gag, here's the joke. Like they never really like play anything out as it's humorous by nature, not um, written as a joke. This movie's the same way, but I think to Mark's point, um, from a a visual um, editing pacing feel, Scott Pilgrim is a a great comparison to try to you know if you're looking for like how the movie plays out, not plot-wise, but just kind of in general, like how the mm-hmm. the uh, motion picture feels. Scott Pilgrim is a great example of that. I would also say you could, um, a little Bill and Ted feel in there. It's really unique though. Like, and I actually really like that when movies do that. Like when you like see someone get out of a car and there's like three cuts between point A and point B to kind of shorten that up so you're not spending a lot of time on, you know, just dead scenes. Uh, side note, if you want to watch Mega Time Squad, it is available on Amazon Prime right now, so you can go check that out. So this one is directed by Jason Lee Howden, and I wanted to ask you guys if you'd seen his latest movie. He just came out with one called Guns Akimbo uh, with Daniel Radcliffe and the gal we like from Ready or Not, Samara Weaving. You guys check that one out? I saw the trailers for it. Um, that's the one where uh, Daniel Radcliffe like has the guns taped to his hands, and he ha- he has like gun hands at that point, right? Yeah, and I was also getting some Scott Pilgrim vibe stuff too. I I watched the trailer, and he gets hit, and he falls over, and Sonic the Hedgehog gold rings pours out of his body. And I'm like, what is this movie? Well, he's a gamer. Like he's a gamer who plays first person shooters and stuff like that. And then like he gets the guns. I I don't know the whole plot line, but yeah, the the gaming visual theme is kind of prevalent throughout that whole film though. Okay. That one's also on Prime. I'm gonna check that one out too. Also has Reese Darby. Love that guy. John from uh Flight of the Concords. That was um oh crap, what was his name? Murray. Murray. There you go. Murray from uh Flight of the Concords. Oh Ginger Balls. <laughs> I'll check both those movies out. Uh, they sound interesting. Guns Akimbo is much more like high energy, super fast paced. Mega Time Squad, um, a little more mellow. I would say um, if you turned if you turned Deathgasm, if you turned the the gore off of Deathgasm, you'd have something very similar to Mega Time Squad. Well, Deathgasm has Milo Cawthorn as Brody, James Joshua Blake as Zach, Kimberly Crossman as Medina, Sam Berkeley as Dion. Daniel Cresswell as Giles, Delaney Tabron as Shanna, Stephen Ure as Ricky Daggers, uh, Jody Rimmer as Aunt Mary, and Colin Moy as Uncle Albert. Here's what the back of the DVD has to say about Deathgasm. High school is hell. Metal thrashing Brody is an outcast in a sea of jocks and cheerleaders until he meets a kindred spirit and fellow metalhead, Zack. After starting their own band, Brody and Zack's resentment of the suburban wasteland leads them to a mysterious piece of sheet music said to grant ultimate power to whoever plays it. But the music also summons an ancient evil entity known as Aeloth, the Blind One, who threatens to tear apart existence itself. Their classmates and family become inhabited by demonic forces, tearing out their eyes and turning them into psychotic murderers. And this is only the beginning. 
It's up to Brody, Zack, and their group of friends to stop a force of pure evil from devouring all mankind. A blood-soaked and hilarious horror comedy, Deathgasm features an amazing original soundtrack of gut-banging metal and practical effects to satisfy metalheads and splatter fans alike. Deathgasm will gush bodily fluids, rain limbs, and tickle your funny bone before tearing it out and giving you a stiff beating with it. And I do want to say, sometimes these boxes are really hard to find, so I find really low-res images on eBay. This is one of those uh, cases I was looking for Deathgasm for like 20 minutes, and it was always in German. And I'm like, where the hell is the American release? And then I find one, then I got to blow it up and up the contrast, so reading this stuff sometimes sucks. <laughs> well, you're doing a fantastic job. Oh, thank you. Now, it sounds like we all enjoyed this movie. Is that true? Very true. Uh, I think I've seen it three times now, maybe four, and I love it every single time that I watch it. It's so quotable and so funny, and yeah, the gore effects are on point. My notes for this movie are probably just the script. I just kept writing down lines that made me laugh, <laughs> uh, which is like every line. So excellent film and it holds up on multiple rewatches i'd say yeah it's a real good one um i've seen it a couple times i i don't really get tired of it again i i love the dry new zealand humor in general so this just is already a sell for me but then you add like the metal and the the horror to it and it's there's nothing not to like um i did have one question though before we got going here john soundtrack does it slap my man uh mega slaps Death slaps. Uh, love this soundtrack. I'm not even in the metal music. I couldn't name like three metal band Metallica. That's it. I name one. There's one. Yeah. Two more. Come on. What do you got? What do you got? Uh, Iron Maiden. Do they count? Yes. Two. There you go. You're digging deep. One more. Oh, whatever band Ozzy Osbourne was part of. He was in a band, I assume. That band. Are you talking about Black Sabbath? Yeah. Them. Okay. All right. Three. All right. Well, you got it with a you got it with a a hint. So I <laughs> guess I guess you can have a metal card. So I'm not really you know it's it's I it's fine, but this movie soundtrack is on point. Yeah, it's pretty good. They kept having like Trivium posters show up in the background, and I'm not a big fan of Trivium. I don't have anything against them. It's just not really my thing. I prefer like a little more thrash metal. But um, yeah, no, the soundtrack was really solid. Um, it was really cool how they incorporated it. I did appreciate when they they actually play the Black Hymn, which we'll talk about a little bit later, that it was like that real gravelly, dark, like doom metal, which, and it wasn't like thrash, it wasn't, but it was like this like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was like, oh, so it, it just set the tone so good. I was really excited about it. I would also say as a fan of European melodic metal, I don't like Trivium either. So don't listen to Trivium. That's what we're telling you right now. <laughs> no, we're not. If you like Trivium, that's totally cool. They're just not for me, you know. But yeah, no, it was just funny because they, they kept showing up, and I was like, I was like, wow, they, they this person must really dig that band. I have no reason to believe it's not a real thing, but European melodic metal sounds like one of those Netflix AI generated categories. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, there's a ton of those bands. I can turn you on to a few if you want to go check out somebody called Sonata Artica, John. That's uh. Pretty good example that. Oh, you may, maybe you've heard of Dragon Force. I have heard that before. It shows up on my Spotify every once in a while. Yeah, they're nerdy as fuck, dude, but they're really good at their instruments. <laughs> so uh, check them out sometime. Anyway, 
Back to the movie. I've seen this one three times as well, and it does definitely hold up. I was trying to think if there was any other movies that really kind of hit on this. What if the 1980s satanic panic shit was true? Because that's basically what this movie is, right? You play the music, the demons come. You listen to the bad Iron Maiden or the bad Judas Priest, and the kids are going to shotgun their faces off. And that's literally what this is. It's like, let's pretend that could really happen, and let's make a movie about it. There's been a couple movies. Um, I, I want to say uh, Rock and Roll Nightmare, which we're familiar with, mostly most people from uh, Rift Tracks. There's Trick or Treat, um, which is, I think, out of print. But it's basically about like this dude who records like this satanic album as he's dying. Or I, God, I can't remember. It's been so long since I've seen it. But um, this album is played on the airwaves, and it'll unleash. It'll bring him back from the dead, and he like will have all this power. It's this great like teen Halloween rock and roll movie. It's fucking awesome. I think it's called Trick or Treat. Yeah, I think you're right. There, there's been there's been some. I think maybe it's just been a been a while since we've had one of these type of uh, the metal's gonna get you type movies. There's also I think one called like Blood Tracks, but I think that's more like more pop rock. Like I want to say like glam rock instead of like metal. But that makes me want to see it more. <laughs> it's easy to see how metal can translate into a horror film. Uh, please, I would love to know how glam rock. Uh, could do it that's awesome yeah now speaking of which let's just make a whole genre like hey the teano brings in the demons or you know whatever let's just let's do every genre of music while we're at it why does why do we have to single out metal every time yeah let me hear like a celine dion based horror okay (laughs) that was called the peanut butter that was called the peanut butter solution i think a a titanic is going to be involved like death ship i bet it's death ship oh nailed it All right, well, let's get into this one. So this movie starts off with some, like I said, if you think uh, Scott Pilgrim, you're getting a lot of rapid fire information. They're doing a lot of animations of like writing on the screen, um, a lot of quick cuts, things like that. Uh, And we're introduced to our main character, Brody. Um, Turns out his mom got in trouble and went to jail for sucking off a Santa Claus in a mall. Is that correct? Attempting to. Yeah, she got committed for that. And I don't know if you can get committed for that. Yeah, that seems like a, you're going to get a ticket for lewdness and then you just go home. But uh, maybe there's more to that story that we just weren't told. Yeah, maybe that was like the straw that broke the camel's back or something. First, it's the Easter Bunny. And now you're back again for Santa Claus. Will you leave these children's myths alone, lady? <laughs> uh, so so Brody, he's, uh, he's going to go move in with his Uncle Albert. Now, this family is totally super religious right so he's sticking out like a sore thumb <laughs> mark i believe the the movie says that he is balls deep in jesus <laughs> that's correct <laughs> which in its own connotation has all sorts of weird implications but yes balls deep in jesus yes okay so um thank you for that correction i'm sure everyone wanted to hear that um it's important information yeah i'm sure that's uh first thing on your notes john you said you wrote down all the dialogue yeah because you got to think if you have to be balls deep in anything jesus probably isn't so bad <laughs> god oh boy here we go i don't, don't want to go that far uh well, let, let's let's rail it back let's reel it back a little bit it's so early in the episode it's so early so anyway yes he's moving in and his cousin david Um, he's one of the jocks the back of the box alludes to, right? I was just sitting here thinking about how horrific this kid Brody's life must be living in the same house as your tormentor. Yeah, that would suck. And like this David isn't just like a run of the mill bully. I mean, he beats the fuck out of Brody in like criminal level of beating. 
uh it's i feel really bad for brody yeah he trashes his room it's 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 full-on harassment to the highest degree and yeah no it's it's gotta suck but he's got his two friends who (laughs) are the quintessential biggest caricatures of nerds you've ever met um dion i believe was the first one we're introduced to and he's having uh, a D20 shoved up his nose by the jocks at school, <laughs> which I was like, classic. And then um, later on, as we kind of get to, well, first we see that um, the girl, um, the, the sexy blonde walking by, whose name is Medina, who was neither funky nor cold. But she's she gets like her little like, like not kind of meet cute, but definitely like an introduction of like, that's the, the like, oh man, if only... And then we basically meet um, his other friend, Giles, who's like the pudgy kind of like, he's kind of cool, but he also plays D&D. He's definitely a nerd of some kind. Yeah. And I will say now that I've been playing some D&D in this quarantine over Zoom, I get all the D&D jokes now. So I'm one of you guys. I'm a nerd. (laughs) They're great. And I liked how straight they played the D&D stuff. It's all very accurate. It felt like they were really playing D&D. I, I play D&D kind of like Brody does, just kind of sitting there going like, oh, my God, let's go. <laughs> oh, it's it's more fun if you just buy in. Buy into the experience, Garrett. It's awesome. I have a hard time. when I Anybody who talks in old English, I, I just ridicule them at game. I'm just like, oh, come on, speak normal. <laughs> this is killing me here. But no, no, D&D can be fun. I mean... I'm not, I'm not complaining about it. I do occasionally play it. I haven't done it in a while, but yeah, no, I, I reach my limit with D&D pretty quick. I love the idea of interactive storytelling, but I also get very annoyed where it's all like, actually, my uh, dagger has a spell on it that's got a plus three for piercing damage only. So if I actually am like, I don't care, just hit the fucking thing and roll a dice. <laughs> Let's go. Well, put on a wizard hat and get into it, man. Come on. You got to get your spells ready and uh, really learn that old English, dude. You want to know exactly how they talk. We want we want the experience, okay? It's all about the experience and the cosplay, right? That's a big part of it. It's true. If you don't speak Elvin, uh, why are you even here? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Great question. Great question. <laughs> um, does anybody else? Did anybody else feel that Brody looked like a teenage New Zealand Lou Diamond Phillips, or was that just me? because man he looked just like pre-young guns lou diamond phillips to me ricky from uh la bamba Ooh, i can, I can see it yeah. yep um you know uh, this movie uh, this movie setup also reminded me of an old movie if you want to have a kid move in with a family that he doesn't fit in with i might recommend 1993's airborne uh that one has seth green and it was the first time i ever saw jack black and it's the same movie, only replace all the satanic metal with surfing and inline skating. And you got, it's literally the same film. Is that the one where he moves to like Iowa and is like, I used to be a surfer, but now I'm going to inline skate? Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's the one. That movie is trash. Oh God, that's a that's another amazingly awesome bad movie. But I think we're getting distracted here. <laughs> wow. It, it really is, yeah. I don't think you could have summed up the 90s any better than that plot. (laughs) (laughs) It's literally the 90s to the T. It's amazing. Um, Anyway, I just when I I was watching this movie, I was getting hit whiffs of that movie. I was like, oh, God, I haven't thought about that movie in 20 years. That's definitely. Oh, man, I forgot about that movie, too. But that's a good one. Along with Quicksilver with. um, uh, Oh, yeah. Kevin Bacon. Where he's the uh, the bike courier with uh, Lawrence Fishburne. Yep. Yep. All these forgotten movies. 
<laughs> oh, okay, we got to stop talking about like shitty movies. So um, at this point, Brody's kind of given us the 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 narration over his life and his situation, and given us his like the way he you know narrates over it is very unique to the sense that you know you get the idea that he's they're picked on, they're dorks. Um, while they're playing D and D, they get sprayed by the jocks with super soakers, but it's filled with piss. And uh, you find out this is kind of a common occurrence. Then we cut to him walking through town and he points out um, the record shop Alien Records, which is run by um, this dude whose wife is kind of like a mystic. She does like tarot readings and fortune telling, but they also run a record shop. So he goes into this record shop and he's looking through the metal and that's where he bumps into Zach for the first time. And Zach's your full on, you know, like to the T caricature of a metalhead. So they, they kind of have, I almost want to call it a weird little like meat cute, but well, they're, they're um, comparing records, right? So like Zach looks at a, a like obituary record or, or, you know, whatever. And they both kind of like, yeah, that's a good album. And then he accidentally grabs, what was it? Like a, like a Rick Astley record or something like that. No, no, it was, it was a poison. It was a poison album. And he looks over and he's like, oh no, not that, not that. Later on, like they actually get this one, like really metal record at their house and they hold it out and it's like, this is just a Rick Astley record. And it's like, oh, he just got Rick rolled. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, but no, they're comparing uh, metal and you get the idea that like Zach is like full on legit metal. And he's also kind of a little bit of a dick because um, uh, Brody says that he's been looking for a specific album that he pulls up and then Zach just kind of takes it. Yeah. As if like, this is mine now. And it was like, dude, maybe be cool about this. No, he's chaotic neutral. So just does whatever he wants. That's a D&D term for all you non-nerds out there. Yes, it is. And then we get a little backstory on Zach that like his dad owns a garage and he just kind of, he, he, he your quintessential bad boy and um, does what he wants, kind of latchkey kid. But anyway, um, they kind of form this little friendship because they both love metal. And as at this point, they start the band or they become, they become blood brothers they just slice their hand open with a razor. Yeah, they become blood brothers at the record store, and then it immediately cuts to them starting a band, which is what I imagine would happen if two huge metal fans uh, became BFFs. Oh yeah, no, that's it's obligatory. Right. Our band name options are Motor Motor Boner, Murder Boner, Tooth Vagina, or Deathgasm. Those were the three options. And uh, do you think they went with the right name? Well, they also picked. They also mentioned Cannibal Unicorn and Thirteen S's. Thirteen S's. Yes, the 13 S's one made me laugh. Yeah. Giles is like, what if we're just like, it's like S, 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 but like 13 of them. So great. Yes, I think they went with the right one, Deathgasm, all uppercase because lowercase is for pussies. Yes, that was specifically stated and it's true. It's very true. I laughed so hard at that. Way harder than it was probably worth. Yeah, I think Deathgasm is a great band name. Yeah, it's hard to go wrong with that. I mean, I agree. And and it's I think it's Zach that comes up with it and they're like, ooh, how about this? And then like Zach grabs the camera and pulls it towards him and goes, no, I said Deathgasm and like looking straight into the camera. I'm like, all right, movie. I know that's the title of the movie. We get it. See, I enjoy that. I I, I enjoy the fact that they're like, we're going to say the titular line. We're going to make it. We're going to make a meal of it. We're going to really feast on it. Yeah, no, it didn't bother me at all. I was just like, all right, cool. Yeah. Uh, and then they kind of like I, the D&D guys are way better at their instruments than I expected. And Brody's just kind of shit, isn't he? Yeah, he he's not really great at it. And he claims, oh, I choked up or he always has an excuse. But I think the excuse is that he's not great. That's the excuse. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, he definitely needs practice. And if 
with metal, you definitely have to be able to thrash. So maybe he needed some more practice. But I was really surprised that the uh, the dude uh, Giles was such a good drummer, like out the gate. It was I did not expect that to happen. Yeah, same. I was very taken aback. I was like, oh, these guys can actually play. And then we just kind of get a few scenes where we we start to see a little more interaction between Zach and uh, Brody, just kind of being bros, doing their thing. And then they decide to go break into what looks like a kind of, I don't want to say abandoned, but an old rundown house. And they call it a skip, which um, I, I'm i always intrigued by Australian, New Zealand nicknames for things, you know, British nicknames, things also. But um, I was like, a skip? Huh, interesting. So they break into this place and they're seeing like news clippings and band flyers. And what is the, what was the name of that guy? What was the name of that band? Ricky Daggers? Yeah, Ricky Daggers. But his band, I can't remember what his band name was, but um, they're seeing all this like memorabilia for um, for this band that Ricky Daggers was in. And that's when Zach's like, I heard that he disappeared and he disappeared into some like rinky dink podunk suburban town. And they kind of look at each other like, oh shit, this might be his house. So they're like going around and then they enter this room with like this wall of amps and think like back to the future <laughs> wall of amps. And then they see this like like this dude laying on the bed and I thought he was dead. I thought it was like Iggy pop and dead. Um, <laughs> and he's clutching this record and then they go take the record out of his hand and he freaks out. He jumps up and he's clearly not dead. And they're like, we're metalheads, man, we're fans. And he's like, oh, okay, that's cool. But then about that time, a dude in a black suit busts in and there was no context for this at this point. Or did I miss something? No, there's no context. You just see these like, you know, black SUV, all super secret government shit roll up. And you're like, what? what's going on here? And they come in and then Ricky Daggers like sees them. And they're like, he's like, wait, wait, take this and get the fuck out of here. Go run away with this record. Um, and they come and they're like, what'd you do with the record? And he's like, uh, it's not here. And then they kill Ricky Daggers, right? Yeah, they slit his throat like... yeah wide open and man this is the this is our first taste of gore in the movie and they really set the the expectation of what we're going to get for the rest of the film because when they slit his throat like they pull it back and it kind of lifts up and it was just like oh that's so gnarly (laughs) um and then we we cut to the guys running away uh brody and zach running away after they kill daggers the guy his name's vaden goes back to his boss and he's like look uh sorry i fucked up the record wasn't there i didn't get it and his boss is like winners don't make excuses for their failures they learn from them and then he immediately beheads them great gore scene blood everywhere and you're like oh this is awesome but then he yells at the beheaders or the executioners he's like you don't just behead somebody you have to put a tarp down first this is an expensive rug do it again and he makes them <laughs> take the head, they place it on just real gently back on the guy's neck, and then sort of pantomime beheading him over a tarp. And they like drop the head, and he goes, uh, Perfect. Yeah, I think that worked. What's great about that makes it work so well is when he says, No, do it again. <laughs> they look at each other like, How the fuck are we going to do? Like, and they're, they're completely silent. They've got like, Yeah like satan masks on like horns and goats and stuff so they but yeah when they pantomime it he holds the bot and it's it's fully dead it's not like it like comes again like they he's literally just barely holding the head in front and the guy just kind of like moves the sword down like is this okay and then drops the head and it oh god that was so well done because it, it was so dry it was so perfect. it was like a monty python skit or something it was 
excellent. Yeah, and I believe the the evil boss's name is Aeon. And after this scene took place, I sat and thought, and I was like, okay, so he was telling the guy he beheaded that he needed to learn from his mistakes, and then he killed him, but then the guys killing him made a mistake, and he let them learn from the lesson. I was like, this must have been Vaden's, like, third or fourth infraction at work. I mean, if, you know, (laughs) there's got to be more to this. Oh, (laughs) that's a good point. Maybe Vaden fucks up a lot, and that's why he finally got beheaded. New headcanon, that's it. Vaden, bumbling uh, henchman. And this was just his time. Okay, that's a shirt right there. A severed head that says headcanon. Oh, nice. <laughs> that's a good one. So back in, in Brody's room, they're uh, looking over the record they got from Ricky Daggers. And as Garrett said, they pull out a Rick Astley record and get Rick Roll. That's really nice. Um, but what they find inside that's important is this old tattered sheet music called the Black Hymn. And it's just... Um, excuse me. The Black Hymn. <laughs> well done. Yeah, that's pretty good. So this Black Hymn, they decided, hey, let's go ahead and try to learn how to play this at some point. And I forget what exactly. They're, it's written in Latin, right? All the words are in Latin or something like that? Yes, it is. Uh, yeah, it's the Black Hymn. Play it to invoke the demon. Yeah, play the both the Aloth, and he it will that that power will grant you like power and riches, and so yeah, he translate that, and so um, he does that in class. But yeah, they kind of figure out he well Brody figures it out. Brody like does the translation and doesn't actually tell Zach about this, but at the same time he's getting that day he gets beat up like as John said like mercilessly like the dude is messed up his eye is fucked his lips are fucked i mean like he takes a a severe beating so at this point he's decided i'm gonna sing this black hymn right get the power and um you know that way my 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 enemies can't fuck with me anymore he takes the beating because it turns out medina is actually interested in brody and they after the they have a hilarious scene of them trying to shoot a music video uh they run into medina and they go get ice cream together and david finds out about it and this is also where uh brody introduces medina for the first time to metal music and she has an uh, amazing little kind of family guy cutaway when she listens to it to the uh for the first time hilarious little scene there um but that's why david david found out about all that and just poor poor brody man like beat him within like an inch of his life yeah because david is kind of he's been macking on medina like the whole time and he's he's your typical atypical like alpha jock asshole in movies and he's not listening to her trying to just only like get in her pants and so yeah when they have that um when brody has that meet cute with medina at the um at the gas station, they do go sit and have ice cream and he's in full like mayhem, black death metal, like the white face, black and white face paint. And he's just sitting there having an ice cream with her. I thought that was a really great scene because mm-hmm. he is completely hopeless. And she's like, you're a really good artist. And he's like, uh, 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 yeah, I guess. Uh, and he's like just bumbling over himself. And she's like clearly like into him and he's just too dumb to realize what's going on. And honestly, I wonder what that's like to, you know, be an artist and have some girl hit on you and just be too fucking clueless to realize what's going on and then just ruin everything. Message! <sighs> but moving on. Um, yeah, no, that's a great scene. Um, and so, yeah, that's where we we realize that that Brody is 
and and uh, Medina have a thing, a potential thing there. But after he takes the beating, he does the black him with the band because the band's like, what happened, dude? And Zach's like, I'll kick their ass. You tell me who it is. But he doesn't say anything. So they do the black him and it almost completes. And that's when we get our first taste of the black him turning people into demons because the uncle comes out to the garage to bang and tell him to keep it down. But as he's about to do that, he starts like vomiting blood and his eyes start bleeding and he's like being turned into a demon at that point. Yeah. And the band actually goes into this weird hypnotic trance where they're just kind of like zoned out entirely while they continue to play. Um, and then I, I think it's because Brody fucks up one of the chords, right? And that's like snaps everybody, uh, everybody out of it. Yeah. And then it's, it stops the, the ritual. So we don't get a full turning, but because we've introduced it into the human world, some people have already started to turn. Yeah, it's it definitely was like a taste of what could come. And then we cut to uh, Zach, who's siphoning um, gas out of a, a tank. And Medina walks up. She's like, are you stealing petrol? He's like, no, it's diesel. And I, I appreciated that joke. And, um, <laughs> it's from an ambulance. What a dick. He's stealing diesel from an ambulance. Oh, I didn't even notice it was from an ambulance. That's even worse. Yeah, you 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 were getting these these images and these hints that Zach's just not a great person. Um, and this scene right here is a great example of it because Medina says, hey, you know, are you going to see Brody later? Can you give him this note? And she gives him, a, Zach, a note to give to Brody. And she's like, but don't read it. The note basically says, meet me at nine o'clock at the park because Medina's totally into Brody. And so that's great. Zach hides the note doesn't tell Brody about it. And then he goes to the park in his place and is like, oh, Brody said he had better things to do, which devastates Medina. Now, can I can I just stop and, and say that two of the most unbelievable things in this movie for me are the fact that Medina would give a note to another guy when she's already been like talking to him. Like, I don't understand why she didn't just go give the note to Brody herself. And then secondly was, would be a 16 or 17 year old girl using a Walkman CD player in 2015. <laughs> it's New Zealand, man. They're behind the times. <laughs> yeah. Maybe so. Yeah. I just chalk it up to New Zealand's way behind the times, guess. They don't have MP3 players yet. I mean, I had an MP3 player in 2002. Way to flex, Mark. Well, la di da, <laughs> Mr. Moneybucks. Jeez. It could hold a total of seven songs, you guys. It was Whoa. revolutionary. <laughs> I thought you were going to mention the classic movie thing where uh, someone hears or sees some uh, someone else do something wildly out of character and they instantly believe it. Like, Medina doesn't know Brody very well, but she has to get the vibe that he's into her, right? So when Zach's like, he's not into you, she totally buys it instead of being like, that's weird. I Movies do that all the time and I'm always like, come on. I like this movie, so it didn't really bother me, but it's definitely like you would probably go ask a little bit more information than just immediately accept this shocking piece of news. Yeah, that that was a little bit. And this happens twice in the movie, like Zach hides notes and kind of does things for his own benefit. But yeah, he shows up at the park, tells uh, Medina that, that Brody's not interested and then immediately starts like like offering her booze and getting down with her. And she's kind of on board. She's not thrilled about it. And I think in her rejection, rejected state, she's just not thinking clearly. But yeah, she kind of makes out with him a little bit. John, you mentioned that like when she first listens to the CD that um, that Brody gave her, she does have that little flash, like that little like imaginary scene where she's the the metal god on top of the mountain with like sexy ladies like hanging on her legs. So that was a great little moment where you realize it's like she's like, oh, I get metal. 
But there was a line earlier that I really loved. Brody's trying to explain to Medina why he likes metal. Because at first she's like, isn't that where just guys just yell? Um, but he's like, do you like metal? Um, I don't really get it. It's like when life sucks and, and you feel alone and empty. You stick on some metal and life is better because, because somebody else knows the pain and, and the rage that you're going through. You know? I just thought that was a really cool line where, you know, it really just kind of explained why Brody is into metal. And I, I feel that that was like punk music and metal. And stuff. so it's, it was kind of cool just to kind of hear that in a movie. But um, yeah, so getting back to the, the main plot, Zach has fucked up this thing with Medina and Brody. Brody has no clue. His cousin David had seen Brody hanging out with Medina. So now he's pissed off. And he actually goes and jumps him in a like an alley and rips out his earring and then just beats him the fuck up like bad. And that, that was about the time where I was like, dude, I can't imagine getting your ass kicked, your earring ripped out of your head, and then you got to go to the same house where this dude lives. I'm like, I, that, that's just got to be torturous. Yeah, no, it's, it's not cool. And that's actually right before they go play the dark hymn for the first time. We cut to uh, them in the garage, ready to play it again, and he he completes the task at this point. Now, I had questions about this, because it seemed like some of the kids turned into demons, and some of them didn't. Yeah. Was there ever an explanation of like who got affected and who didn't? Whoever was in earshot of the amp got affected of their band. So as they're playing the hymn, it turns itself up to 11, the garage door opens, so anyone who could hear them, basically in their neighborhood got affected people who couldn't hear it didn't get affected okay okay i wondered about that because there's a there's a scene later on with like the teacher at the school is like a full-on demon and the rest of the kids in class are totally fine i was like well how is this so selective The transformation scene of all the people coming out of their houses, it's just like the rivers are running red with blood. Like they don't skimp on the gore and the blood in this movie. It's just rivers of red coming out of these people's mouths. And it's like, I think that's more blood than the human body contains. This is, I mean, we're talking evil dead level, like craziness with their, their uh, liquids here. It's demon blood. So as they're vomiting it, the demon's just creating more blood. That's just Demon 101. Oh, I see. So it's it's Satan blood. Yeah, yeah. This blood's being teleported from hell through these people's mouth and uh, and out onto the street. Well, that's not Satan blood. That's Aloth blood. Okay, <laughs> let's, let's give credit where credit's due. True. One thing you just said, John, two things real quick. First one, John, you just said they turned it up to 11. There is a scene where they focus on the amps and the magical power of the Black Hymn turns the amps all the way up. Mm-hmm. And there was no 11 on those amps. I was really pissed off. I was like, damn it. You guys should have written 11 on those just as a nod to Spinal Tap. But they didn't. It only went to 10. Yeah, they missed. Uh, that was a softball. They should have definitely done that. Completely hit that out of the park. Um, another thing that you just said, and at the beginning when you were talking about um, the the back of the box, you said Aloth the Blind One, which is like the king of demons. I Did they ever say the blind one in the movie itself? Yes. Um, Shanna, the, the underling of Aeon, who eventually takes power here in a little bit in the movie. She she calls him the blind one uh, at some point. Okay, I missed that. And that would have made so much more sense because everybody who turns into a demon has like their eyes 
like they're just like holes are gouged into their face where their eyes were. And I was like, oh, that's a really interesting thing. But if I had heard that it was Aloth, the blind one, that would have made a lot more sense because these are all minions of Aloth. But I, I missed that. So I lost a little bit of the impact of that. But it's really cool how all the demons really reflect um, that it's Aloth and not just like your standard greater demon. Good attention to detail with uh, naming your demon and then making them look like that description. So, so they pass out when they play the, the music and they all wake up and Brody, he's like, okay, I think I might be more powerful now. So he asks Zach, he goes, you know, hey, um, do I seem any different? Am I more powerful? And so Zach punches him and then Brody punches him back. And all Zach could say is, I think he may be weaker than before. <laughs> and I also laughed a lot at that. Yeah, good, good joke. So next day we're at school, right? And the teacher's up, up and uh, he's at the chalkboard and all the kids are like what's wrong with this guy and then he just starts like pooping blood and this is when my wife walked into the room and i'm like it's always got to be the time when the movie's being the most disgusting (laughs) (laughs) that someone's gonna walk into the room while i'm watching these things oh yeah he's just farting (laughs) blood out his pants and it's like just running down his leg and it's all this like this this blood river uh she walked in right then huh yeah yeah and uh i i don't know how many times i've had to explain to people's like it's not always like this i'm not into this kind of stuff it just sort of happens and then people see (laughs) (laughs) no you're into it (laughs) uh no comment uh at the school brody also meets somebody in the bathroom right it's like a zombie demon dude and he's being all weird and he leaves and he comes back and he goes did i mention he's going to roast your nuts over an open fire and brody just goes no you didn't mention it Uh, and then demon goes well he is and then disappears. Brody just goes on about his life, but you think that would really shake you. It was, I think it was David's friend. It's the other kid that was beating his ass when they tore his earring out. I think it was that guy. Ah, uh, okay. But you would think that greater demons would be a little more like cool to the people that summon them. You know, it's like, he's going to roast your nuts and, and murder you and rip out your eyes. And it's like, dude, he brought him back. Like, why not show a little gratitude, bro? Great question. Demons, real assholes. Yeah. <laughs> they're not very thoughtful uh, uh, deities. Deities. They're not gods. Uh, they're, uh, what are they? Creatures. Creatures, yeah. Let's go with that. Demons. <laughs> right. So they're hanging out in Zach's van. They're smoking and they're just like, what the hell's going on? And I think Brody's probably pining over Medina and he's like, she's not into you, bro. Or I think that's what they're talking about. And then the dad come, uh, is, is in the garage just banging his head against the garage door. And they're like, dad, what's going on with you? And they walk over there and he's, he's, you know, anytime you demon up, you have to be covered in, in gunk, filth, and blood to some degree, right? That's like the criteria. So if you ever see anybody covered in their own blood, they're probably possessed. <laughs> Stay away from them. That's what horror movies have taught me. If if Mark ever has an accident around the house and his wife like cuts her hand like cooking or something like that, she's like, I cut my hand. He's like, ah, she's possessed. Fuck it. Yeah, don't call the ambulance. <laughs> call an exorcist. So the dad is over there banging his head against the garage and he's got his, his head covered. Um, they uh, struggle to remove the bandages. And, and like Garrett said, the followers, he's missing his eyes. Or is he holding them in his hand? He's holding them in his hand and he goes, I can see you and he holds them up in his hands think um think the scene from um uh pan's labyrinth where his eyes are gadged out but he's like holding his eyeballs in his hand looking at them and um at this point they're like they they finally get that oh maybe something wrong with these people who've been vomiting blood gouging out their eyes i don't know it 
that part was a little unbelievable to me that it took him this long to figure it out. But I was in bo- on board for the movie, so I didn't question it too much. But yeah, so he starts attacking them. And you, at this point, see that he's got like this insane power. He's trying to kill Zack. Brody goes over and grabs like, um, like a grinder and just starts grinding this dude's face and his arm. And blood's flying everywhere. They knock him back, and then they drop an engine block. He like he falls to the ground, and there's an engine block being hung by a chain, and they drop it on his head, and it smashes his head. And then um, Brody, I love this line. Brody's like, man, I'm sorry. He's like, it's okay. He would have wanted to go out like this. And he's like, you mean like possessed by a demon and an engine block splattering his head all over the place? And Zach goes, yeah. <laughs> that was so great. <laughs> what a great moment. Ugh. After they kill his dad, um, Brody confesses. He's like, oh, man, this is my fault. So that music we played, I translated it from the the pages. It's the black hymn, I Unleashed a Demon. And Zach is pissed. He's like, what? Why didn't you say anything? Which I thought was extremely hypocritical considering what Zach's done so far. It's like, you do not get to be upset about someone not being forthcoming about information. No, absolutely not. Yeah, at this point, Zach and Brody kind of realize that this is because they sung the black hymn, shit's gone tits up. And then, yeah, you're right. At that point, they they want to go see the uh, the mystic lady at the Alien Records. Yeah, so they're like, hey, let's go over to Alien Records. That lady mystic over there, Abigail, she may be able to tell us what's going on. We can figure this out and get it stopped. They roll up in there, and she's alive, but she looks like she's pretty beat up. And she's just sitting there on the ground smoking a joint or a cigarette or something. And she reveals what's going on, and we get the information that... Um, the possessed are just killing everybody to make way for Aloth, which will return at the next blood moon. Well, that night, it's supposed to be a blood moon, I think, and they have until 3 a.m. to reverse the uh, the effects. <clears throat> the witching hour. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're right. Well, she calls it the demon hour, and I was like, ooh, I wonder what time the demon hour is. And she's like, 3 a.m., and I was like, oh, no, no, no. That's the witching hour. You don't get to overlap the demon hour and the witching hour. They've got to communicate better. Yeah. There needs to be separate time for each one of these. I think we need to have our listeners make us a clock, and instead of the numbers, it just has what hour it is. So, like, 2 o'clock can be demon hour, 3 o'clock can be the <laughs> witching hour, and so forth. I want to see this. I love this. Uh, we should we should make that merch. We should we should make a clock somehow. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. That, that, I'm sure I'm sure uh, Teesprings can make us a clock, no problem. So right as she's about to reveal what they need to do, she gets her chest bursted open from the back, and there's a hand holding her heart. And I think it's her husband, right? He was zombified at some point in the back, and they just like freaking out. And then they rush out of there after killing him. I think do they kill him or do they just run away? But wait, before then, Mark, I have an important question I need your uh, insight on. Okay. Do demons know about daylight savings time? That is brought up in this scene. You're correct. Um, Which is a really good question, and the movie doesn't want to answer it. It just kind of brushes it off. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say that they have their own timetable in hell. They don't don't go by CST, PDD, Mm -hmm. uh, Pacific Standard Time, or any of that stuff. They go by HT, hell time. Hell time. Okay. I, I, I dig that. I assumed it was the time zone of the summoner. This needs to be a TED talk. That's uh that's how I always assumed it worked. But hell time. I think hell time works. Yeah. This, this, this really just opens up uh, so many avenues, you know. <laughs> um, we're going to have to have a demonologist on, I think. Uh, if you guys know any, let us know. We'll get them in here and we'll get this sorted out. Does hell have its own clock? Uh, does it have its own time zones? We need these answers. 
Inquiring minds want to know. Even non-inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> All right, where are we at, John? Um, so while this is happening, um, Dion and Giles are also attacked by a possessed person, and they uh, shoot him with D twenty dice right in the head. The D twenty dice like embed, uh, but it's very ineffectual. Uh, but lucky for them, Medina happens to come by and just cuts the the dude. Uh, does it cut him in half or cuts his head off? Kills him with an axe. Yeah, she she buries an axe in the dude's head and it splits the head wide open. Oh, yeah. the demon dies and she's like, oh, uh, oh, fuck, I forgot what she says. You could say it, but she's trying to come up with a quip. Yeah, she's like, oh man, I should have come up with a really catchy thing to say. Like, can I ask you a question? <laughs> oh, that's dumb now. And it's funny because it cuts back to to Dion and Giles and Giles is like, yeah. no, that's still pretty badass. <laughs> So, uh, and so they decide to go to the school because apparently their school has a panic room or something, some sort of safe house. Um, so they leave a note. They're like, you know, Dion, Giles, Medina, go into the school, and they uh, they flee to the school. This next scene's really interesting because, again, I had kind of forgotten about these characters, but at this point, Aeon, um, what's the name of the uh, the second in command lady, Jenna? Uh, show up in this town they because they they know because they're like we have to get the black hem pages um they know that Aloth is um gonna be summoned to this point so they they roll up into this town with their their three hooded masked henchmen and aeon and jaina are sitting there and they're like and Aeon's like okay this is what's gonna happen we have to because when Aloth comes here he's going to like put himself into the the darkest, most blackest, uncaring soul that's nearby, which is gonna be me. And he's talking to one of the demons because the demon's like, you know, like you need to prepare for him. He's coming. And then he's like, okay, cool. It's gonna be me. At that point, Jaina just stabs him through the back with this giant ceremonial dagger. And he just dies right in front of him. And um, she leans down to the demon, the uh, the vessel, not the vessel, but like the, the minion of Aloth, and is like, I'm ready to be the vessel for Aloth. And he's like, cool, go kill these kids who can play the black hymn in reverse and can stop this whole thing. And then, and only then will he be able to come and get inside you. Okay. That sounded bad, but um, like basically like, like, you know, possess her and become the vessel of Aloth. So at this point, she's totally backstabbed Aeon, which you just really can't trust, you know, demon worshippers at this point. You know, everyone's out for themselves. <laughs> we really get the like fact that there's this, it's happening. Like this Aloth thing is almost complete. And then we cut to a scene where um, Brody and Zach are, are driving to the house to, to check on his uncle and aunt, which I don't know. After everything he'd been through, I personally would have kind of been like, eh, I'm sure they're okay. So they're on their way back. And at this point, Zach is still trying to convince, because he's because uh, Brody's like, oh, I also need to find out if Medina's okay, because he still kind of likes her. Um, and Zach's like, don't worry about it, dude. You're never you're never going to get anywhere. You're not even going to get in a second base, which is anal. And it was like, I was like, whoa, 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 hold on. Second base is anal? Because I've been playing baseball all wrong. Uh, he's playing with a different set of rules, I think. <laughs> and like he said that, it made me laugh so hard because I was like, "Holy crap!" Because then Brody goes like, "Then what's what's a home run?" Like or says something like that, and I was like, "I'm interested. Let's. I I want to. I want to. I'd like to see your pamphlet." They get to the house, and at this point, Zach goes right up to the door and then hides the note 
that says Dion Giles and Medina are going to the school to be safe. Which, again, I do not understand why at this point he's being like this. Because it serves no, it doesn't serve him any benefit at this point. Well, he, earlier, before they got here, his big thing was like, dude, fuck this town. Let's just go to the hill and watch it get destroyed and let the demon come. Who gives a fuck? And uh, Brody was like, dude, that's like fucked just let me out like i don't want to be involved in this and so brody leaves and then zach comes back because i guess he maybe he didn't want to be alone he's like all right all right all right i'm gonna help you but obviously he didn't actually want to help him i think he was just gonna help him enough to make hopefully convince brody like look everyone's dead this is pointless let's escape and not have to deal with this yeah i he, he ultimately just did not want any more information to come to light to brody because he's just like john said he just wants to get out of there and, you know, he'd, he'd be like, okay, this is going to make Brody stick around if he sees this note. So, Selfish is Zach's middle name. Yeah. And also during this scene, right, this is where they lose all the sheets of music. Like, wind blows them out the window, and you're like, dude, you'd think you'd have secured those better. Right. They're probably pretty tattered and old, right? Yeah, they're definitely tattered and old. But I, I got the impression that this was kind of a... Not just a normal wind, but maybe like a demonic wind. Ooh, oh man, there is a Sifi slash sci-fi original movie right there. Demonic wind. The wind that kills. <laughs> I'd watch it. Oh, me too. Well, there is a there is a horror movie called Demon Wind. It exists. Are you serious? Uh demonic wind though. Totally different. <laughs> You're right. Different genre <laughs> altogether. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. So yeah, this scene, this next scene, when the people I was watching it with, when this scene came on, everyone was kind of like, everyone perked right back up and was like, okay, what the hell's going on here now? Yeah, this is really setting up the final uh, the final act, right? Yeah, it, I think this is like one of the most famous scenes from this movie uh, where they, you know, they enter the house and Brody's uncle and aunt uh, attack, essentially. And then they like escape into their study and they see a box and they're like, oh, okay, this is a really religious family. Maybe there's some Jesus shit in here that'll help us uh, repel the demons. And the first thing uh, that Zach pulls out are just a long string of wooden anal beads. And Brody's like, ah, that must be the rosary. And then... (laughs) Well, the box is also just labeled church stuff. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) and then zach is like all right well if that's the rosary what's this and he pulls out a huge dildo and just starts smacking brody with it it was very gross oh what a what a scene when when he says huge he's talking like double-sided like forearm length dildo (laughs) but yeah no it was it was pretty funny they they go to get that church box and then like it's all like just like sexual toys and like devices but uh did you guys notice when they came in the house though that like all the crosses on the wall were upside down I didn't, but that's clever. Yeah, every every cross in the house was on that was on the wall or in a picture or anything like that was upside down, which I thought was a really nice subtle um like, you know, thing that the um the set designer did. I was like, that's pretty cool. But yeah, so they they get the sex toys and then we have a a very Shaun of the Dead type moment where um you know, this heavy metal music is playing and they're beating the hell out of the aunt and the uncle with uh these sex toys and at this point, like, oh man, I know at some point, like, one, they get knocked down, and then Brody runs out to the shed. He's like, oh, we need a better weapon. Runs out to the shed, 
gets a chainsaw. This was one of my favorite moments of the movie. Like as this montage is still going, the music's still like just grinding in the background. Brody is trying to start this chainsaw and they show like 20 attempts of him trying to start this thing. Oh man, it was so great. I love I love the fact that they left so many attempts in there because if you've ever tried to start like a weed eater or a chainsaw, man, it always takes way too many tries. Yeah, this this whole bit I just wrote down, this is best, best described as Evil Dead with sex toys because it's just that level of like mania going on, you know, uh, a lot of quick zooms, which I think are definitely uh, an homage to the Evil Dead series. Mm-hmm. Especially when they upgrade their equipment a little bit, you're getting a lot of fast zooms in on the weapons as they're they're tinkering with them. But yeah, it's just it's chaos with dildos happening, and you got Brody in the front door trying to start his chainsaw. He like falls over, and then Zach gets dragged into the other room, and they're having like a little one on one, right? So. Brody's fighting with his zombie aunt and Zach's in the other room fighting zombie Uncle Albert. Yeah. And while they're struggling, the demon is like the the chainsaw started and the ant's trying to push it's trying to push Brody's face into it. That's running on the ground. Now, we all know chainsaws have safety switches. If you're not holding them, they don't keep running by themselves. But it's a movie totally willing to let it go so he's getting like face to face with this chainsaw blade that's just like running as fast as possible and he's like it freaked me out because he's like less than an inch away from this thing his nose and it, oh man it was so like it had me on edge and then back in the room zach is fighting the uncle and he's he's losing he's getting like smashed against the wall and then he's like reaching out and he's barely able to grab this giant like dildo that's um sitting on the, the top of the dresser he grabs it finally and then starts hitting him across the face with it and starts jamming it in his mouth, um, basically making him deep throat, deep throat this uh, this giant like rubber dildo, and it like rips his jaw off. So like, oh, so gross! <laughs> like the gore in this is so extreme yet like comedic. It doesn't feel like unnecessarily like over the top, but it's so fun. Um, he like basically like deep throws this thing to the jaw comes off, and then he's like really proud of himself. And then um, pushes him down, then runs out to the living room and helps um, Brody get up from the ant. And then they just jam her in the stomach with um, the chainsaw and her guts spill out all over the floor. And then she starts walking through them, which was so gnarly. I was like, yeah, I, I was like, definitely like I was like, this is probably the grossest thing in this movie for me. But she starts walking over her own intestines. I don't remember exactly how they kill her, but um, they take the ant out. It's a double double dildo through the ears. So two dildos straight through her ears. Oh, yeah. And so Brody's like, okay, quick, I'm going to go grab some um, some tools or you know something like that from the shed. And I'll be right back. And then um, he comes back and Zach has basically made the, the dead zombies 69 in each other. Um, and he's like, what? I found him like that, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> which was a nice little, nice little moment of levity, which was pretty great. Um, and then at this point they fashion their own dead or alive, not dead or alive, but, um, dead rising type weapons. They've got like a barbed wire weed eater. It was some really cool stuff. And then he's like, let's go get these pages back. And then we have a montage of them going to get all the different pages. Well, real, real quick. There's, there's one important scene, John, you want to tell it kind of hilarious, but also like damn scene. David comes home when this is done and he's like, what? the and brody just immediately beheads him and zach's like i'm pretty sure he wasn't possessed brody's like of course he was he came in and said something about satan you didn't hear that uh he was not possessed david looked totally normal uh so brody just killed his cousin essentially in cold blood yes actual murder i did not i don't remember that scene at all wow okay i mean it makes sense for the character at that point after all he's put up with but like you know we don't promote 
vengeance here, but like it made sense in the movie. Yeah. But man, I missed that scene altogether. Shit. Uh, then it cuts to exactly what you were saying with the building the weapons and the montage. So they get all the pages back. Right. Now they've got like weed eaters and actual actual tools instead of dildos. <laughs> and they run into a, a, a naked zombie with his dick hanging out. And then they like weed eat his dick off. <laughs> and then they say that they, they say the great line of you're pretty good at whacking guys off, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that one felt a little forced to me. I was like, I get the joke, but I was like, eh. Okay, I would. I liked. Uh, can I ask you a question better? Um, but this movie's got everything too. If you're a lady, you got some some dong just hanging out. If you're a dude, there's some like you know, there's some tits in it. It's a little for everybody. Um, then at this point, they're they're getting all the pages together, and then they're about to. I don't know what they're doing, but they see a light over in the school, and they run into the school, and they find that's where they find Medina, Giles, and uh, Dion. And he's like, oh, my God, thank God you're okay. Zach is still not there yet. He's like kind of pulling up the rear. They get into the room. They're all there. They're explaining what's happening. They're trying to come up with a plan. Dion and Giles are playing D&D during these trying times because, of course, they are. And that's where um, Medina and uh, Brody are talking finally. And he's like, hey... You know, I'm really sorry about that. And she's like, well, I heard you weren't interested. And he's like, what are you talking about? And that's when we find out that Zach hid the notes and lied to both of them. So he goes and he starts fighting Zach and they're like getting into a tussle. And they finally like call stop and they're like, hey, look, we can't keep doing this. You know, we've got things to do. And Zach's like, fuck you guys. I'm out of here. I'm gone. That's when Dion, uh, Giles, Medina, and Brody go to Ricky Dagger's house. Right. They're looking for amps, right? Because they, they're like, okay, we got to play this song backwards. But when we played it the first time, it fucked up all our amps. And Brody's like, oh, does the school have amps? And they're like, are you kidding me? Uh, last year for music class, we all had to share the same recorder. <laughs> I was like, damn, that's gross. <laughs> So Brody's like, I know a place. They go to Ricky Dagger's place. So they're uh, while, while they're trying to figure out the plan, they're like, okay, wait, let's try to play it backwards. This might work. I don't have the music anymore. And he's like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna have to remember it. And they're like, fuck, are you gonna be able to do this? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I got this. It's like, okay. And while they're figuring this out, the occultists come in and they've got them all kind of bound up, and they're talking to them, and they're they don't they don't know that they're bad guys at first. And they're like, oh, you want to be safe? There's a lot of demons out there tonight. And they're like, we know. We're here to let Aloth out. And then in a in another really good gag, one of the I forget which nerd it is, the one of the D D guys starts talking shit about Shanna's ability to speak Latin and how shitty is. But then they the the henchmen keep hitting the other nerd and he's like, Oh, I didn't say anything. It's the <laughs> other guy. Quit hitting me. Excellent. <laughs> Dion, well, Dion's line is I wrote this down. I was like, well, that's a tongue not designed for Latin. And <laughs> they punched Giles in response. And he's like, I didn't even say it. And that's a running gag throughout this whole scene. They keep punching Giles for everyone else's attitude. They tie them all up on the ground. And as they're about to get like sacrificed and everything like that, Zach shows back up because Zach was like, fuck you. I'm out. You guys can all die. I don't give a shit about you. And at some point he has a change of heart and he comes back in his full like death metal makeup, the white and black, you know, face paint and stuff like that. That, and he starts fucking up the uh, the devil worship or not the devil. I keep saying devil, but the um, the demon worshiper people, occultists, the cultists. Thank you, perfect. Um, he lets the other uh, band members loose, and then at this point, they're like, "Okay, we've got to get into that room with the amps and play this shit backwards." So everyone's back together. Everyone's doing their thing. They get in the room. 
They're about to do this. And they're like, where's Dion? He was right behind us. Well, Dion is in the hallway with a giant samurai sword that he found. And then he gets confronted by one of the demons that's been the, the townsfolk demons. And he goes to slash at it and he hits the sword in the ceiling and drops it, which is, you just never want a sword in a tight space like that. And so uh, he gets his head, he gets, he gets sub-zeroed from Mortal Kombat. He gets his head ripped right out with his spine and everything. Yeah, I didn't expect to see any of our main characters get offed like this. So that was a bit shocking. I was like, oh, okay, there are stakes. Suddenly we have some real stakes here. And then the, the townsfolk demons start attacking the, uh, the building. Um, Iggy Pop, not Iggy Pop, um, Ricky Daggers... Demon version shows back up and he attacks Giles and then Giles gets killed by um, the Ricky Daggers demon. And you're like, holy shit. OK, we're we're dropping band members left and right. And at this point, you know, Brody's with Medina on stage trying to get the the stuff played. And he's like, oh, wait, I don't think I'm even in tune. And so he starts tuning and she shoots him this look like you motherfucker. Come on. Um, Zach is out there. I did like to when uh, Zach comes back and rescues them. Medina's like, wait, you thought that you're like, oh, I'm going to go rescue them. And then you went home for 15 minutes to put on makeup. And Zach's like, it's not just makeup. This is corpse paint, man. Like, and Medina's <laughs> killing it with that axe, man. Medina is doing some fucking demon cleanup. You know what I mean? She's really good with that axe. He's Brody's lucky she's around. That's all I got to say. Totally. It was Medina's character development is one of like, the best in any movie like you don't expect her to be as badass as she is you see her as like oh she's just gonna be the hot character uh but then when she gets into that metal music man she turns around and she becomes just a axe wielding like valkyrie just killing everybody it's some john wick level shit that she's (laughs) pulling off it's it's really impressive at this point Shanna with an S. Okay. She's watched her whole team get wiped out. The demons get wiped out. And then she's kind of like cowering in the corner. And then Zach goes to confront her and she knocks him down. And then she just strips naked. It's uh, it's th- it's it's the demon hour, Garrett. So the, the demon hour hits. Brody has failed in his task to play backwards. So she removes her clothing so she can receive Aloth's possession, right? So she's just ready to go. She lifts the scimitar up in her hands. She's like, or she lifts a, a dagger or something up in the air. And she's like, take me, I'm ready. But then Zach comes from behind and just impales her with a sword through her back and she drops. I do remember she said something like, I'm ready to have you inside me. And I was like, that's what she said. Like, <laughs> couldn't help it when I was watching this. But yeah, so yeah, Zach totally like impels her from behind. Again, never turn your back on people when you've got a whole demon situation happening. Because at this point, Zach is like, screw it. If Alos coming back, I'm getting that power. I want you inside me, bro. And so... He does. Aloth like possesses Zach's body at this point, and then he turns into like this demon thing. Although I, I gotta admit, this is the one part of the movie that I thought was a little bit um, underwhelming. After all this build up to Aloth, Aloth is only like a demon mask on top of Zach's body, so he's not any bigger than Zach. He's not any bulkier than Zach. Um, he still, his voice was a little bit less commanding than I thought it was going to be. So like when Aloth actually shows up, I was like, oh, okay, well, they got this. Yeah. The movie might've been better if Aloth never showed up. Like if it was, if Zach got possessed by like the Harbringer of Aloth or something, because with its budget, 
no matter what, it was probably going to be a letdown. And yeah, to your point, Gary, it just looked like a spirit Halloween mask on Zach. Two bullhorns on the head. You've seen the demon. You've seen uh, you've seen one demon. You've seen them all. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and it was it was a really good mask. I'll give him credit. The mask and everything like that was really cool looking. But the thing is, is like if if Aloff is and they refer to him as the king of the demons like multiple times, I expected somebody bigger than the size of Zach. Because honestly, I feel like Medina with her axe could have taken Zach. Until we see that now possessed Zach, or Aloth, as we'll start referring to him now, can like Raiden teleport from Mortal Kombat. He starts teleporting around the room with like electricity. And um, he teleports behind Medina and knocks her down. He eventually teleports and stabs uh, Brody in the stomach with one of his horns. One thing I... Uh, I did like was how much fun Zach was having being a he like was really into being a demon. He was having a blast just fucking his friends up. He was talking shit the whole time. Yeah. And he makes a good little like joke too, as he's like teleporting around. He's all like, Zach, what are you doing? And it's like, I'm thinking of pulling a Burzum type thing and going solo. And that's like a reference to, I can't remember the band. I don't know if it's, it's not mayhem. I don't know who it is, but Burzum is one of the guys who left that band, like that, that, black metal band and then went on his own um and uh, i'm sorry for all my metal heads out there that are extremely disappointed in my like perfect knowledge of this right now but metal card revoked <laughs> yeah well i still got my punk card at least hopefully if not i've still got my my loser comic book fan card i know i'm not losing that um so you got some cards left sure okay so whew, I'm, pl- I'm not playing with a full deck but what i got i'm at least full house here <laughs> yeah so yeah, no, it's, it's this great moment. And the thing is the interaction between Alof, uh, Brody and Medina is really good at this point. Like the, the back and forth is really compelling. You feel like, Oh, this could go either way right now. Um, but it doesn't really do much because then Brody starts shredding on guitar out of nowhere. And I thought he played the song backwards, but then Alof is like, like turn back into Zach. And he's like, you didn't play it backwards, the black hymn. And he's like, no, but the metal brought you back. And um, they do their little like handshake, shoot the horns type thing, which was pretty cool. And then he's like, you got to kill me before Aloth comes back in and repossesses me. And so he has to take their, uh, their razor blade that they became blood brothers with at the, the brotherhood of steel at the beginning of the movie. And then he has to cut, Zach's throat and it's kind of sad it is but man the only thing I could think of when this was going on and I think agree with one of y'all's sentiment I don't know who said it but it's basically I feel this movie would have been better if Aloth hadn't shown up because then we wouldn't have this kind of trope scene of kill me now (laughs) do it do it now you know like I'm I'm getting tired of the whole like you know we saw it in Exorcist 3 too remember like that moment of the, the vessel is regained control for just a split second for it to get killed to stop the possession point. I'm just, I, I mean, I get it. I don't know where else you go with these kind of stories. If you want to try to end on a good note, I'm just getting a little tired of it, I guess. Yeah, it was in Exorcist 1, too. The priest uh, had to jump out the window. Pretty much every exorcism movie, it feels like, ends that way. Or exor- like, to your, I agree completely, Mark. It's a trite, cliche ending at this point. Let me jump us off on a quick little tangent here because I have a question for you. Can you guys think of like the one movie where someone like sacrifices themselves, maybe not to save others, but just has to like sacrifice their life for something? Like, can you think of like the one movie that you think does that the best? Tron. (laughs) 
you, really Tron? Are you being are you being sarcastic? Or are you being- yeah? Don't you remember Jeff Bridges walks into uh, the MCP to save Digital Tron Land? Okay, yeah. Are you being serious though? Is that like the one you can think of that had the most impact for that you? That is the only one I can think of in the moment, Garrett. That's the only reason I've said it. I'm, I wanted to point this out because this scene, no matter how many times I see it, but at the end of Watchmen, where Rorschach has to like scream at Doctor Manhattan, like do it, like he has to kill Rorschach because they just know that there's no way Warshak with his like compass of like morality will be able to keep his mouth shut on what happened. Um, like they know they have to kill Warshak. I don't know the way that was done in that Watchmen film. Oh God, it gets me every time. It's probably my, like my favorite example of like someone having to like sacrifice themselves to like make a plot point work. So good. But anyway, I don't know if you guys had a scene. That one's a solid one. I think to me also that scene with Rorschach just kind of represented like he was unable to live in the world that they've created on this lie. Yeah, exactly. So he's like, I can't be, I can't be here anymore. You got to take me out because it's not going to work. Yeah. He was flat out saying like, I can't live this lie. You're going to have to kill me because it's not that I don't want to. It's just that I'm incapable of not saying this. Yeah. That's a good one. I don't know if John thought of any offhand. Um, No, I can't really think of any. I don't know. I'm a sucker for that entire concept. So, like, it's cliche in exorcism movies. It's cliche in all movies, but, like, in heroic uh, situations, I'm always like, you get him. So, I don't know. (laughs) Me too, dude. I will will tear up in a movie, (laughs) like in Bad Boys 3, Bad Boys for Life. Mm -hmm. Like, when they're all like, come on, man. If we don't make it out of this, at least we know we did this on our own terms. I'm like, you sons of bitches. I love you guys. (laughs) Like, I don't know. Like, I'm I'm with you, John. That shit gets me every time, no matter how cliched, especially like even in sports movies where they're like, okay, we may not win, but we're going to go out there. And I'm like, (laughs) I know this is garbage and cliche, but damn it, this is so good. Totally. 100% same. When when Otis jumped on the grenade for Milo, man, that was a real touching (laughs) moment. (laughs) Jesus, Mark, what version did you see? The unrated director's cut of Milo and Otis. I'm uh, I'm working on a remake. Uh, It's going to be a reimagining, rather. It's going to be a real dark, gritty Milo and Otis. Yeah, I'll put the the Kickstarter link up on our website later. All right, well, let's wrap this one up. So, yes, uh, Zach goes down, and then we see a metal uh, screen, uh, metal writing come up and say two months later, and uh, uh, Medina and Brody have been living a pretty decent life, I guess, outside of reestablishing your life after having your whole town zombified and half the town murdered. Um, And then, what is it, Brody, Brody puts on a record and then the record starts spinning backwards and we hear some demon talk and you think, oh no, Aloth's coming back. And then it just switches over to Zach's voice. Like, no, nah, just kidding with you, bro. And uh, cut to black. So does that mean that Zach is a demon now and he's just fucking with Brody from beyond the grave? Yes. There, there's an after credit scene where is it that they, Zach and Brody talk a little bit more and they try to come up with like a new band name and uh, Zach talks about uh, what hell's like. It's a, It's like a... 30 second scene but yeah zach can oh really i didn't i didn't stick around for that i didn't see that part ah well there you go you can go on amazon prime and watch it i usually always do that and i didn't do that for this film because i got to the point in the credits where it was like dick demons blood vomiters and i was like i'm good it's not going to get any better than this so i turned it off i didn't even think to stick around for an after credit scene damn it uh, I should have done yeah that. it's a it's a 
cool little scene. It's not like blow away Marvel or anything, but it's a cool little scene. But yeah, Zach can communicate through records, essentially the layout, and they kind of lay the foundations for uh, like a Deathgasm 2, which uh, was teased and then never brought up ever again. I would not mind a Deathgasm 2. I think that could be interesting. Although I think this movie is is so unique and good on its own. I don't know if we need to revisit it. Yeah, I think I would probably be err on that side of caution. I think it's been a little too long. Uh, it's like if they went and made another Tucker and Dale at this point. I just, yeah, let's just, you didn't do it right away. Let's go ahead and leave it as is. It's great on its own. I'd concur. I'm going to be honest, though. I said the same thing about Toy Story when they announced Toy Story 2, and I'll be damned if every Toy Story isn't better than the last Toy Story. I still haven't seen four. Same. What? With Forky? I even have Disney+. Plus. I just haven't watched it. Three was so good, and I mean, there's a scene about sacrificing yourself when they were all on that little conveyor belt. Oh, that was gut wrenching. Oh, about to get burned up in the trash compactor. Uh, So I can't handle that again. Uh, they, I, I, I may have, I may have told this story on the podcast before, but I remember being at the theater when that scene was playing like opening weekend and turning around and like looking at kids faces who looked like they were about to die of horror. And I was like, if this movie burns these fucking puppets in front of all these kids, I will stand up and applaud just because of like the sheer balls of Pixar. If the movie would have been that brave, dude, that would have been a phenomenal and seminal (laughs) film, dude. Like it would go down in history, I think. As the movie that killed Pixar. (laughs) Yeah, no, that would be it. No, no Pixar film would ever be safe from like parents being like, I don't trust it until I've seen it. But uh, no, Toy Story 4 is pretty great. But anyway. Anyway, we're here to talk about Deathgasm. I 100% recommend this movie. I honestly say you should buy, like if you're a, a purchaser of movies, yeah. it's worth picking up. Uh, one of the better examples of comedy horror for sure. I think everybody should check it out if you're into that stuff. Um, if you're into blood, it's got it. If you're into comedy, it's got it. It's got dildos. So that's for like half of our listeners. You know, it's got a little bit of everything for everybody uh, is what I'm trying to say. Whoa, whoa, Mark. Do not judge. <laughs> Dildos could be for 100% of our listeners. Okay, you're right. I'm not here to kink shame. Just enjoy horror movies. That's what we're here to say. Right. Any way you see fit. But I I agree 100%. This movie, so funny. I mean, I could literally quote the whole movie and laugh. Uh, so definitely watch it if you're just looking for a good time. It's not very long. I don't even think it's 90 minutes. Uh, excellent film. All right. Three recommendations for us. Anything else you guys want to touch on before we wrap up? I think it's been said, honestly. Yeah, I'm good. Well, listeners, have you seen Deathgasm? Why don't you let us know on our social media? We've got a Twitter page, a Facebook page, and an Instagram page. You can find more of our content on www.thegravetalk.com. Drop us a line. We love interacting with you guys. And thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. 